By the way, we are only 50 Palestinian guides who are allowed to guide in Israel. No more. Hello, everybody, and welcome to The Low Season, a podcast about tour guides, tourism, and the future of travel. My name is Wouter Bernhardt. I'm a tour guide from Berlin, and currently I'm gauging how my fellow tour guides are navigating the pandemic. After having spoken to guides from Jerusalem and Haifa, I wanted to seize the opportunity and talk to someone in Palestine. I found Ramzi Salsa from Beth Sahur, a small city near Bethlehem that was willing to share his perspectives on guiding in Israel. We spoke about his interrupted career in tourism during the first and second intivadas, why he enjoys so much doing these so-called dual narrative tours, and we come to speak about personal hardship during the pandemic. But first, Ramsi Salsa, we want to get to know who you are. Tell me a bit about yourself, Ramsey, because um, I I don't know you and, and I would like to know you. So maybe you could tell me wh- where you're from um, and, and how you maybe also got into guiding. Indeed, uh, I was born and I live in the small town of Beit Sahur, next to Bethlehem, about two kilometers far away from birthplace of Jesus. It's the town of the shepherds. Uh, I was born for a Christian family, uh, which was a practicing family in the church every Sunday. Uh, From here, I had a Christian uh, education and I went to Christian school, a Catholic school. Then I went even to the seminary to become a priest. Uh, But finally, I didn't make it and I quit the seminary. For my bad chance, there was no chance of following university because of the political and uh, the situation on the ground during the first intifada in the Palestinian lands. So I had to work for some years. I could find some work, thanks God. But later, I had the opportunity with my cousin to go to Bethlehem University to study tourism. And this happened after the Oslo agreements. And in the and in the first years, I could feel that Israelis and Palestinians were talking really peace, and there was a, a will for peace or working for peace to live in a peaceful way. Let me say, and uh, both sides were committed for a peaceful atmosphere at least. And I got my license to be to be a tourist guide. And then I worked for about two years. Uh, these two years were a kind of first experience for me uh, to learn more on in the field, on the sites. And I gained a good experience. But later on, in the year 2000, there was what is called the Second Intifada. And everything was closed for about five to six years. And And tell me a little bit about your tours. If you get tourists coming to Bethlehem, what kind of things do you talk about? Indeed, uh, I usually work, I usually work with uh, French speaking pilgrims coming to visit the holy sites. And from time to time, I work with Americans who are interested in what is called the dual narrative tours. Uh, What is the dual narrative tours? It means that we are uh, two guides, one Palestinian and one Israeli, in the same bus. 
reflecting our Palestinian and Israeli uh, knowledge and thinking in front of our clients. And we are free to talk whatever we want to in the respect of the other for sure. Is that difficult? Uh, not really. It's, uh, it's, uh, I enjoy it always. Sorry, our goal is never to convince the others of our way of thinking of our life. Our goal is uh, to show that there's always a different phase of the coin, a different look of, uh, of the matters. So I am Palestinian Israelis. I have my way of thinking. I have my way of life. I have my way of talk. And he has his as well. It must be very different to do these kind of tours than what I'm doing in, say, Berlin. Like I'm showing people around and show them a building. Whereas where you are, there is still conflict. It is still an ongoing situation. How, how do you include that in your tour when you go across the country? Indeed. And that all narrative tours maybe a part of the goal of the tour is talking about uh, the ongoing situation but also for pilgrims uh, also while moving from one place to another by moving by from bethlehem to jerusalem crossing the checkpoint seeing a settlement i cannot ignore that and i guess my israeli colleague if they are coming with an israeli guide cannot ignore that uh, you see so we try to, or I myself, I try to mention what is found on the ground. But I always take care as an open-minded person uh, to tell that there's another way of thinking from my Israeli colleagues as well. So, for example, when I say this is what we Palestinians call settlement, but my Israeli colleague will say it's a neighborhood, for example. You will see. I mention, I show. Finally, it's not the problem of the group. The group or the tourists are coming for prayers, let me say, because I'm working with pilgrims. They are get, uh, here to get the, um, uh, to get uh, blessings of the Holy Land. I will try to help them in this for sure, but for sure also we are living in a situation that I cannot ignore in my movement with this group. What well, what is your what is your favorite place to go to in Israel or in Palestine? What whatever because you can you can guide throughout the you can you can guide across the entire country? Yes, yes. Sometimes with difficulties in certain places we might find some difficulties mainly security matters in the crossing borders. Uh, for example, uh, some of the crossing borders were not allowed to be in as Palestinian guides. Uh, as Palestinian guides, we are not allowed to go to the city of Eilat. And even the Israeli guides don't know why. Uh, it's uh, a matter of uh, security for the Israeli army uh, and the civil administration that is holding the uh, Palestinian territories. Uh, we have sometimes some uh, problems, small problems in some places, but usually uh, we are, by the way, we are only 50 Palestinian guides who are allowed to guide in Israel. No more. Oh, wow, that's very few. Uh, we are very few. But by the same time, all Israeli guides can come to the Palestinian 
sites to guide in, and the Palestinian Authority don't have the power to prevent them uh, because uh, before the Palestinian Authority, most of the guys were Israelis as well. And uh, some Israeli guys, by the way, when they come to Bethlehem, they get their Palestinian guides with them to give the opportunity for them to work, but some do not. It's a personal matter. And uh, sometimes there is cooperation between both sides. What is your, I wanted to ask you, what is your favorite place to guide? Uh, I have many, indeed. Indeed, I have many. One of my most favorite places is Capernaum, the city of Capernaum, or the small town of Capernaum, which is a small village indeed. I love to guide in the site of Caesarea Maritima as well. Why do you like them so much? Well, they are big places to visit, and they might take you one hour to two to three hours guiding in them. And you can go so long in your explanation. And uh, and there's a geographical uh, distance where you can tour in. So you really, it's a huge, it's kind of uh, two huge places that you can walk, you can talk, and you can explain uh, all of them. Um, what, what is, why do you like tour guiding so much? Well, I don't know. Whenever uh, I do guiding, I do it really with my heart and with my mind as well. It's my way of li- it's my way of living, but also I love it. And uh, maybe I love it for my own uh, being distinguished that I'm able to speak a foreign language. Here it's French, sometimes it's English. And you know that the, our common language here in Palestine is Arabic. So it, it's distinguishing me in a way. Secondly, I don't uh, lie in it and uh, I appreciate it. Tourism have a good income uh, compared to other uh, work in the Palestinian territory. Uh, but it's not for a matter of money that I love this work. It's really maybe also as a Christian, it's a part of my beliefs. And uh, I'm talking about really a very special, unique place on the world where as a Christian, uh, I believe that Jesus walked here and he passed by here and he taught here and he, and he was teaching here and there and so on. So it's a kind of blessing for me and for others, for sure, being in the spot and being able to talk about about it. Yeah. T- tell me a bit about how it has been since the pandemic, because most of us haven't worked. How has that been for you? Are you, yeah, uh, you, you're not getting any income. Uh, what, how do you see your, your future? Well, uh, maybe... I'm a little bad, mad about it, because really, uh, I guess in all, in the whole world, governments, uh, the government tried to help their people, but not here, or here, there was a small help for small groups of people, but not for everyone, and uh, 
tourism was kind of excluded, mainly tourist guides, mainly tourist guides. Uh, really, the situation is very hard. Uh, I myself, I had, or I have two problems in that. My first problem that before the pandemic, I just bought a house in a building. And to be able to buy this house, I get a loan from the bank. It's money. And while I was working, it was not that hard for me to pay back for the loan and to pay also to continue working at the house because I, I bought only the stone. And now I have to prepare to be able to live in. And uh, I was in a level that I could not stop when the pandemic uh, began. So I had to finish the step. And uh, it was the pavement step. So I went for it. And this is uh, costing money. And uh, for sure, I'm not now able to pay the loan back to the bank even though that the loans were postponed for about four months. Okay, the four months will end soon. The four months will end soon. And there is no uh, no hope in the near future that tourism will take back. At least yesterday, the Israeli Prime Minister talked about the 1st of August that there might be an opening for the international tourism in Israel. Uh, so... I had, I had my problem for at least one or two months to pay back the loan. Secondly, and here it's really very personal, uh, during this uh, period, mainly last month, uh, I had a problem with my wife. Not a relationship, no. She got sick, and this is really a big challenge for me. Well, to be frank with you, I, I was working well. I was having good income. Okay, I bought the house. I was still having some money. I still have the last part of this money, but I I was forced to sell one of my cars. At home, I was having two cars, and uh, I sold one. I sold one of them to be able to live for the coming months. For how long? Really, I don't know. Tourism during the second intifada, um, you couldn't work either for five, six years. You said, "What? What did you do in that time?" Well, uh, for the first three years, I was not married yet. I was alone. It was not that important for me to work. I was having some money, so I could manage myself. But finally, uh, I should, uh, I should go to work for sure. I should occupy my time. So, uh, as I'm not. I was not able to do uh, everything. I I tried to learn the work of my father and brothers, which is the uh, um, olive wood handicraft. Uh, so I tried to learn some. I tried to help. I could manage a little bit, but not that much. And with what I learned, I could pro- produce something to help my brothers. I could gain a little bit of my life with them. And the big challenge that time was to get married because age is passing and it's life law that mainly in uh, Oriental countries and uh, mainly in Palestine, you have to get married. So I got married at the age of 34, uh, at the fourth year of the Intifada. 
thanks to some plans I managed with my brothers, uh, with work we did uh, through all of wood and through my relationship. Uh, we, uh, I and my brothers, we managed to sell our products in the States and in France uh, through our friends who came as tourists previous years. So this helped us a little bit to gain our lives. Without this, uh, really it was a big obstacle, but uh, finally, and thanks God, it was solved and uh, we could manage it. And I, I got married and I have uh, uh, found my family. Uh, I have a wife, I have two children, and I'm glad with that. Do, do your two daughters still, or do your two children still live at, at your, your house? Yes, they are still small, they are still young. My daughter is about 14 and my son is 13. Oh yeah, so can they go back to school again? Uh, indeed, they follow their next or their uh, second semester through the internet. Uh, and uh, we hope that they will go back on August if the situation allows them to. Uh, yesterday, just my wife said it maybe will be afraid to send them to school if the coronavirus uh, continue to spread this uh, large. So we are cautious about it. Uh, we don't know, really, we don't know. Well, Ramzi, um, I, I really enjoyed talking to you. I really hope that things are going to get better soon. Um, and uh, I want to thank you so much for taking the time to, to yeah, to do this interview. Uh, you're, most, you're most welcome, Mr. Walter. I was glad to talk to you. And I hope that uh, it was a good conversation. I hope that my English was not uh, that hard for uh, <laughs> those who are listening to us, because as far as I knew that it's a kind of international uh, uh, public. It is. And I think they will be perfectly well uh, capable of understanding what we said today. And great, great, great. <laughs> great. Ramsey, have a, have a wonderful rest of your evening. And uh, I hope maybe in the future we can talk again. Inshallah. Inshallah. Okay. Okay, okay. Goodbye, Ramzi. goodbye, goodbye, have a good time. Bye-bye. That was Ramzi Salsa from Bet Sahur in Palestine. Especially by the end, a very personal conversation about hardships to endure. A very different situation, of course, from being in Berlin. And of course, when you just bought a house and you have to support a family, that brings a completely different layer to it as well. In my previous conversations with guides from Israel, I learned that not everyone hires a local Palestinian guide when they go out to cities like Jericho and Bethlehem, which are both located in Palestine. But when they do, it's often with one of the few Palestinian guides that are allowed to tour the country. If you want to know more about the kind of tours that Ramzi is running, the dual narrative tours, they're run by a company called Mejdi Tours. And I've put their information up in the show notes. It was through the efforts of Kainer, Jimenez, Alvaro, that this conversation was possible. And I've put a whole bunch of other interesting links up in the show notes as well. You can have a look at places like Bet Sahur and Capernaum and learn about the first and second Intivada and of course the Oslo agreements. That's it for now. On Monday, we're back with Arya Jakob from Berlin. To be perfectly honest, when you look through the 7,000 years of history, travel has always been a luxury. You know, travel is not a life necessity. It's not like eating and sleeping and and stuff like that so um technically travel is a luxury the low season is produced by me wouter bernhardt music is by mark schilders artwork is by cc white georgia riungu is our digital lifeline speak soon my friends
really a very special, unique place on the world where, as a Christian, uh, I believe that Jesus walked here and he passed by here and he taught here and he and he was teaching here and there and so on. So it's a kind of blessing for me and for others for sure, being in another spot and being able to talk about about it.